Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire 1, Dapuma. Oh, Jay, you didn't, get, you didn't hit me with the high pitch. Oh, dude, it's, uh, it's something I'm saving for next week. I'm oh, saving okay. it for it to be extra high pitch next week. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, for the people that don't know, uh, Jay is actually uh, on a little bit of a vacation visiting the folks out in Ohio. So, uh, so Jay, tell, tell the good people, how's the family? How's the great state of Ohio? How is the vacation treating the one, the only Jay Chima? It's, uh, it, it's all right. Um, I realized, like, I really don't know how to relax or vacation anymore. I don't know if that's just part of being getting older, but it's, like, really hard for me to just kind of, like, turn my brain off and just kind of enjoy everything. Um, it's nice being out here with family. My, my brother just had his second kid. Um, so that oh, was... congrats, Uncle Jay! I know, I know. That's... Woo! <laughs> Great Uncle Jay part two, but... Um, yeah, I'm so it's nice though, man. It's nice to just kind of not have to deal with work for a little bit, you know, even though I'm still thinking about it, can't really turn it off, but it's kind of nice, man. It's, uh, you feel a little bit, um, useless cause you're in like full vacation mode. You're waking up at like 11 o'clock. Um, you know, half a day's already gone. So I can't remember the last time I woke up that late, man. Uh huh. I can't remember the last time I woke up that late either. Yeah. And it's kind of like the nature of the business too. I mean, you're, you're kind of on, on call all the time, mm-hmm. you know, in your aspect of the job. So uh, I, I get the, the, I guess, restlessness of it. But uh, enough about work. So tell us about the new addition of the family. Boy, girl, weight, name. What, Listen, are, we, what are we working with? Uh, baby boy. Um, they went with Zayden as the name. Um, ah. He's healthy. He's happy. He looks just like, uh, just like my brother. He has parts of... You know my facial features as well in his face and some of my sisters so it's uh it's good man it's the second one to the family uh, we already love you know zane he's the first one and he's already five six now and he's he's super excited to have a baby brother so it's awesome. it's all good man it's all good on that end man awesome the z babies i love it yeah they're sticking with the z's man how about you man how's <laughs> things on your end how's the unpacking going how's it moving in is tara driving you nuts is marcus driving you nuts how's everything going no, no, we're good. I, I, they haven't had to, uh, you know, de- demote me to the the little mini house in the back. Uh, packing is, packing's, packing is okay. I mean, we basically got all the boxes done that are in the kind of half-ass recording studio right now because everything's in flux. But uh, so far, so good. Uh, everything's starting to come together. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy about that. Uh, sooner or later, I'm gonna have to cross the. Xfinity cable bridge again to see if I can get a wireless cable box so we can move everything into the actual living room that we're going to use when uh, when my mother-in-law moves in. But beyond that, man, everything's good. Work is still work. Uh, you know, I, I love my job, but sometimes I wonder if the jail time might be worth it from time to time. <laughs> um, but you know what? In the grand scheme of things, I got a job, so I can't complain that much, and I get to sit around and bullshit with you for football uh you know for an hour about football so everything is good on my end over here brother man good good man well listen you hit on it the people have come here for one thing and one thing only it's not about our personal lives it's about some football so let's jump into podcast 62 of the pro football radio podcast um this week we're going to be talking about the covid outbreak uh in the nfl 
uh, essentially talking about how the Steelers and the Titans had to postpone their games, and then also the Patriots and Chiefs had to delay the game for a day as well and playing on a Monday night instead of Sunday. We'll touch on Bill O'Brien getting fired, which is something that we're not what? shocked about, right? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You used the wrong name. Bill of the Clown. Bill of the Clown. Bill Thank of the you. Clown. He got, he got <laughs> fired, and then we'll talk about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then we'll jump right into the Week 5 marquee matchups. Um, this week, we're going to be breaking down for you guys Tampa Bay versus Chicago on Thursday Night Football, Buffalo versus Tennessee, if that game goes through, Minnesota versus Seattle, yep. and then the Los Angeles Chargers versus New Orleans Saints. And I think we're going to, I think the NFL said they might actually move that game from New Orleans up to Indianapolis because of Hurricane Delta, correct? Yep, exactly. That kind of came down earlier this morning, right after the COVID outbreak news part duh that happened today and uh folks we we say marquee games this week but that's kind of a loose term because Mm -hmm. we're going into bye weeks and the slate is not that great and we kind of struggle just trying to find four games to talk about like they're lucky they're we're talking about the primetime games like that's really (laughs) it like in all honesty folks like that that's it (laughs) when you start having to put question marks after games of like do you want to talk about this that should tell you everything you need to know about the slate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, it's uh, you know, generally speaking, the NFL does a good job of finding matchups, but you know, even they're gonna have a couple of weeks here and there that's gonna have a couple of dud games. But you know, it's still it's still NFL football. I'm so exactly. happy to sit down and watch it and talk about it. So let's get this podcast in the road, sir. I'm gonna turn it over to you. You're gonna give us the full rundown of the COVID and how that's affected uh, the NFL play, and then we'll react to that. Yeah. So uh, last week when we recorded. Uh, there was rumblings that uh, some Tennessee Titans players, they were tested positive. There was an outbreak on, you know, an outbreak about to occur. And uh, last week they postponed the Steelers-Titans game. They moved that to, I believe it was week seven. They messed around with the bye weeks, and they essentially had a bye. And then Saturday, uh, Cam Newton popped positive uh, on travel day. They were supposed to go to Saturday. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Um, they were supposed to go out to Kansas City Saturday, get ready for the game, play. Uh, they were supposed to play Saturday at the 425 time frame. Well, clearly that didn't happen. They had to retest everybody. Cam Newton's asymptomatic as of recording today, uh, Wednesday, October 7th. Uh, so good for him. Thank God he's asymptomatic. Uh, but they had to move that game from Sunday to Monday night, which I didn't really feel that bad about as a fan. A Monday night doubleheader, okay by me. Um, everything kind of went off without a hitch. And then this morning, around 8 o'clock, kind of all hell started breaking loose. Uh, more Tennessee Titans players tested positive. They were supposed to reopen their facility today. That clearly did not happen. Uh, they're still waiting on more results uh, tonight, we'll have an update tomorrow morning. If one, they're going to open the facility, and two, if they're gonna, actually going to have a football game against Buffalo, which is going to create a whole mess with the schedule. We'll get into that in a little bit later. But then Stephon Gilmore, he was the first one to actually come out uh, and test positive uh, for the New England Patriots. Again, uh, cornerback, uh, they played the game in Kansas City. They came back. He was actually on the second plane that they took to and from Kansas City, one plane was for people that weren't in close proximity to Cam Newton. And then the other plane were people that were in close proximity to him. He was on that second plane. He uh, he tested positive this morning. And then there was a, a player for the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, a defensive tackle. He tested positive, which is uh, interesting because the Raiders, uh, in typical Raider fashion, uh, earlier last week, they had an event for Darren Waller. It was one of his, uh, I think it was... Uh, 
anti-drug uh, uh, event. I could be wrong about that. But the point is, is a bunch of Raider players were at this event indoors, no mask on, and the league came down pretty hard on them. Darren Waller, I think, got fined uh, upwards of $30,000. Uh, everybody else got fined a shit ton, too. And this player for the Raiders that tested positive, he was at that event. So it's going to be interesting to see how many more Raider people are going to be coming up as positive. And uh, it's this week could potentially be a mess with the schedule. Listen, Brennan, I think that if they can, if the Raiders have to, you know, reschedule a game, which is fine. But if they have to reschedule a second game and I, and they can trace it back to this event, I am all in in favor of having the Raiders forfeit a game. I think Roger Goodell came out the other day and had a fairly stern statement saying, you know, if you do cause something to happen, and we can obviously, you know, point to that being the fact that caused multiple, you know, weeks of unrest in the schedule, then you could either lose a draft pick or forfeit. And I am all in favor of that. Right. I think I think that right now I think they're really just going to start taking first first and second round draft picks. I mean, there was another statement uh, in that same. They had a, the, the league had a meeting with the general managers and head coaches. They all got on a conference call Monday afternoon, uh, probably around like three o'clock Eastern time. And they, they had a conference call and they came out with a strongly worded memo. Like you said, uh, either, you know, you're a part of the solution. You're a part of the problem. Now's not the time to be lax. And if you're not going to follow protocols, we're going to step up the penalties to draft picks, uh, team fines, and possibly forfeiting games. And after that memo, the Tennessee Titans are now back in the crosshairs because they're supposed to play the Buffalo Bills this week. And they really can't reschedule this game to Monday or Tuesday because the Bills are on Thursday night football. I believe they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs, yep. Big game. Uh so there's no there's no way they could reschedule that game to uh, a Monday or Tuesday and then have Buffalo play the Chiefs on a Thursday. So it, it's really going to have to be one they they play the game if everybody comes back positive not positive they come back negative uh, tomorrow morning with the test they can open the facilities possibly um, and they they go on as usual or two and this is kind of what I was floating last week uh, on Friday when I cut a little Instagram promo of they have flexibility in the schedule. We all know that Park Avenue, the commissioner wants to get a full season in. They have flexibility to move the Super Bowl. They could potentially put the season on pause for seven to 14 days, have everybody just sequester at their own team facilities. All these teams have enough money to buy out a hotel for the rest of the season, put their staff in. And really the only travel that they're going to be doing is to and from the uh, facility for practice and meetings, and then to and from uh, games if they're traveling on the road or to their home stadium if they're, if they're the home team. Uh, they have the flexibility in there, and I feel like if they start postponing more games and messing with bye weeks, you could really start making the argument for competitive balance. And especially, I don't think they're going to be forfeiting games. They might say that in the memo, but I feel like that's a bridge too far because, again, you get the competitive balance aspect of Pittsburgh just had to postpone their games. You're going to start postponing. You're going to uh, forfeit the Titans-Buffalo game because we can't move the, the schedule. Like, if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm going to be irate. Like, I'm already pissed now, but I'm going to be livid if they got, uh, they got the forfeiture when Pittsburgh could have just gotten that as well, too. 
Um, and then if you postpone it for uh, 14 days, the facilities, they can start, they can disinfect, everybody gets under control. And, you know, worst case, you have weeks 18 and 19 and you nuke all the teams by weeks and you just plow through the season. Well, that's the question. If we do take that route and we add two extra, uh, you know, weeks to the end of the offseason and we get everything under control, we put the league on hold for four to 17 days. Let's say this happens again in week 12. Do we go for another two weeks? Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, the, the league is going to want if, – if they're going to put the stuff on pause and say we hit the iceberg again at that rate, they might just shorten the season or at least make sure we get all the divisional games in because then you can start crowning division champion uh, champions by not – you know, hey, like Tennessee only played – like X amount of games, and that was less than, say, the the Indianapolis Colts, maybe Indy loses one or two more games and you have to go by win percentage. Like, that's not particularly fair either. So either they put it on pause a second time because, I mean, the NFL is going to do whatever they need to do to make sure that they they get the Super Bowl in and possibly a full season. And there's no concerts going on anytime soon. They can just go to these stadiums and be like, yeah, uh, that Taylor Swift concert that isn't going to be happening. Yeah, we're just going to take over that slot and put the teams in here and we're going to play the games. Like, I think the NFL has enough pull where they could potentially do that. And I don't think it's going to get to that because if they put the season on pause, now they can go to the NFLPA and be like, listen, you guys want to get paid. You guys want to make sure you're getting your money for the season. In order for us to do that, you need to stop hemming and hawing on having players stay on site during the rest of the season in a little mini bubble that each individual team could do. Yeah, listen, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I think for me, I think the route to go down is actually penalizing teams for missing games or, or causing, you know, disruptions in the schedule. You know, if you can pinpoint to an event like the Darren Waller Raiders, you know, charity event and pinpoint a, a disruption in the schedule to that event, I am all in favor of taking away draft picks and then even taking it even further and forfeiting because let's say we do put the league on pause for one one week and then a second week we put on pause down in you know in November but then the cases start spiking again in December like at one point do you stop putting the league on pause and you're not herky-jerky going and not going right um and I want to turn this back to the Cam Newton aspect of things as well because I'm a Patriots fan and I've been kind of watching what's happening with Cam Newton and the Patriots and there is a small outside shot of Cam Newton playing this week against the Denver Broncos essentially what needs to happen is he needs to have if he's asymptomatic he needs to have five days of no symptoms and then two tests within a span of 48 hours before he can touch uh, before he can touch football again on the field and essentially the way the timeline breaks out he had a positive test on friday so we got saturday sunday monday tuesday wednesday that's five days two days of testing which is 48 hours he can be back on the field on on saturday and maybe play sunday if all goes to plan now that's a long shot i don't think it's going to happen i think we're going to see brian Hoare or jared Stidham. doesn't matter who it is they're both crap but you know there is a scenario where cam Newton can play but the bigger issue here is man the nfl is is taking some hard balls right now i mean these things are are coming out of left field they're having people test positive they're having to move games but i am thoroughly impressed with the responsiveness of the nfl so far their their problem solving skills their solutions they're throwing out there um, to make this you know season happen and go on I'm liking what I'm seeing from the NFL so far. We expected it was going to happen. We knew there was going to be some flexibility that needs to be built into the schedule. We knew that teams weren't going to be happy.
happy with some of the decisions made by the NFL and the league office to make the season happen. But it's just the year we're living in, man. It is what it is going to happen. Right. Yeah. And I'd be in li- I would be in line with the you know forfeit games model, but uh, the the head doctor for the NFL, uh, I think Doctor Stills, he was on NFL Network, and Judy Batista point blank asked him like, "Are you?" Are you guys willing to put the put the season on pause and, and do whatever? And he said, all options are on the table. We haven't taken anything off, uh, so that's still a viable option. And in regards to like the post uh, the forfeiting of games, this is just strictly in regards to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, their re- their recent uh, pop ups of positive tests today. Uh, same Judy Patisa of NFL.com uh, reported that her sources told her. The NFL won't consider forcing the team to forfeit games as punishment. So, you know, again, that that could be hearsay, but, you know, Judy Patisse is one of the best over there at the NFL Network. I, I, I think her reporting holds uh, quite a bit of water as well, too. And it's just funny, before, I'll get off the Titans in a minute, but, like, one of the issues was the Tennessee Titans were um, – you know they they were photographed doing uh doing you know offensive drills offsite you know during this whole covid procedure lockdown uh, at a local high school and those those photographs were put down uh on that uh that zoom call meeting like perry mason but like if you watch sunday night football the, or football night in america and you have idiotic chris sims coming out there being like, well, if I'm, if I'm Ryan Tannehill or if I'm Derek Henry, I'm making sure we can work off site and practice. And it's like, okay, like there's such a disconnect between like the talking heads of the media and then like the NFL just being like, no, like you're not supposed to fucking do this. I just thought it was hilarious. And you know, anytime that Chris Sims can eat crow, I'm all here for. So Dude, Chris Sims is one of the biggest morons on on national radio. He's the guy, brutal. The guy he is, is absolutely bad. Brutal. Even listen, we can all agree that as much as a Brady hater as you are, this year Brady has been good with the very live arm that he's thrown down, field the ball quite often. And Chris Sims is still hardcore, not wanting to give Brady his 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 his, uh, his credit. So I, I just don't buy anything that Chris Sims says. The guy is a little bit of a clown. So I'm not a big fan of anything. A little anything. bit. I'm, a little bit. Listen, his, try- claim to, his claim to fame is getting tackled so hard and so oft, often in a game against the Tampa Bay, uh, against the Carolina Panthers, that his friggin' spleen ruptured and they had to rush him to the hospital. That and his daddy uh, won a Super Bowl with uh, with the New York Giants and uh, may or may not be working for CBS. Who do, who do you think is more annoying, Chris Sims or Mike Florio? Oh, God. You know what? I'm going to go Florio just because of like, he strikes me so much as a Karen and his love for, for what's his name? Taysom Hill is just, you know, find you somebody that loves you. Like he loves Taysom Hill. That's all I got to say. I, I, no, it, uh, uh-uh. nope. No, I can't. I'll deal with Sims over Florio. I'll agree to that. I, I will agree that Florio is way more annoying than than Chris Sims. Ugh, oh my god. Male version of of Karen, huh? We should start that meme. Yeah, he is. He look, <laughs> dude. If you look at him, like, there's no way if you like put like long ass hair on him, like he don't look like Karen. Mm, I like it. I like it. Um, all right, let's move on to Bill the Clown getting fired by the Houston Texans. It's no shock. I think we all saw this coming. We all saw that by the end of the year, if he wasn't going to produce for the Texans, he was going to be let go. And essentially what happened was, he has a quick, uh, give you guys a quick rundown. You know, on Monday morning, I'm sorry, Monday afternoon, 
before the uh, the Chiefs and the uh, Patriots game, Bill O'Brien got uh, was fired by the Houston Texans. Um, a lot has come out since that kind of you know paints a very volatile situation in Houston. Uh, one of the stories that came out today was J.J. Watt and Bill O'Brien got into this massive you know shouting altercation a couple of weeks ago, and essentially the whole team turned on him um, because you know they're looking at a coach that really they didn't respect. Uh, it came down to the fact that you know J.J. Watt, the leader of that team, didn't respect Bill O'Brien. It seems like the rest of the team didn't either. It was also troubling. I saw a report that Earl Thomas was somebody Bill O'Brien wanted to bring in, but the but the actual players didn't want to. Uh, have that move go through. So you're seeing quite a bit of come out of Houston. And when I saw the news that Bill O'Brien got fired, I, I wasn't shocked that much, man. I was like, you know, they're own four. They look horrible. I wasn't shocked one bit, man. On your thoughts, what what did you think about when you first saw that Bill O'Brien was was fired? Well, a multiple multitude of things. One, not surprised. But two, I'll say I wasn't surprised, but like I was at the same time. Only because I thought that like his pull with Cal McNair, the owner of the Houston Texans, was so much that like regardless of what happened, that he was actually going to be able to weather the storm out to at least their bye week or at most till the end of the season. But to, to be fired on a Monday, uh, right before the doubleheader of Monday Night Football, it was it was just incredible. I was at work and I, I just... You know, I'm like working and like putting stuff out on Twitter and Instagram real quick. And, you know, I, I just couldn't believe it. And, you know, we, we saw a snapshot of that, you know, on, on draft day. Uh, I believe it was day two of the draft. Billo, Billo the Clown, uh, head coach, general manager, whatever. He was, uh, he was caught on video uh, trying to make a deal with the Detroit uh, the Detroit Lions, and apparently that fell through. And, you know, word through the grapevine is he was laying into basically everybody in his coaching staff in the scouting office, of, you know, about how that deal did not go down. Uh, so it's it's not it's nothing uh, outside the norm to uh, be on a Bill O'Brien coaching staff and, and get your ass chewed out a few times. But, I mean, really, he had to produce this year because he mortgaged all their draft picks to get Laramie Tunsil. Uh, and they overpaid for Laramie Tunsil in the offseason, but they had to because they mortgaged all the goddamn draft picks. You know, if you ended the season right now, the draft pick uh, that, that the Texans would have would be number two. But that's going to my Miami Dolphins because we get their – their first and second round draft picks this year. So they don't really have any draft capital going into the draft uh, next season. Um, they, they got rid of their best offensive player and DeAndre Hopkins for basically a hot dog and a, a handshake because uh, David Johnson is not the David Johnson of old. Uh, he's been trying to force feed the ball to David Johnson because he has to make it look like this trade is actually going to work and people can paint it as, Oh, Bill O'Brien is trying to balance the offense out and, you know, make Deshaun Watson go through his progressions and use all of his weapons and whatnot. You know, that's a crock of shit. Like that's really just him trying to justify the trade. And like you said, man, like the star that broke the camel's back really was the Earl Thomas fiasco with the locker rooms telling him, hell no, we, we won't have him in here. And JJ Watt and a defensive uh, coach getting into an argument with Bill O'Brien and he lasted effort. He took over offensive play call duties this week. The, the play calling against Minnesota was 
you know, absolutely horrid the first half. Um, they should have won that game. They didn't. And, you know, say what you – Bill O'Brien, the general manager, brutal. Bill O'Brien, the offensive head coach, prior to the season – excuse me, prior to the season, okay. Like, he wasn't horrid, but, like, he wasn't, you know, a Sean McVay. He was definitely a offensive-capable head coach. But, Jesus Christ, like, that – that general manager duty he was had was just atrocious. And there were reports of him on practice fields trying to prepare for game day, being on the phone with agents trying to bring in free agents uh, to, to, to work out. And it's like, how can you focus on doing your job as a head coach when you have this nonsense going on? It's like you're, you're one of the general managers for the team. Like it, it, the writing was on the wall. I was just surprised it was week four. Yeah, listen, I was surprised it was week four as well. I mean, there there was, you know, there's other coaches out there like an Adam Gase who's also 0-4 who seems like he's much more incompetent. But after you hear some of the stories coming out, how, you know, the players essentially revolted against the head coach, you you had to let him go, right? I mean, he just couldn't stay. And looking forward, man, there's, there's a lot of rumblings out there about who the Houston Texans are going to bring in to be their new head coach. You know, one of the names being thrown out there is, is Dabo Sweeney, the Clemson head coach, the essentially the the coach, head coach of the of the Clemson, Clemson football team with Deshaun Watson that won the uh, the national title. Um, there's rumblings that you know Dabo Sweeney is eventually going to make the jump over to the NFL way of life, and essentially this might be the perfect landing spot. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think a bigger a bigger possibility is going to be the fact that Easterby is very close with Josh uh, Josh McDaniels up in New England, and there's rumblings that maybe Josh McDaniels and Nick Casario might make their way down to Houston. So all is in play right now. We'll see how everything pans out, but I was absolutely shocked to see that he was fired before Adam Gase. Yeah, for sure. And real quick before we move off the Texans, right when we were starting to record, uh, Cal McNair, I think it was on like a press call, uh, he was asked the question of, you know, who are you going to hire the head coach and then the general manager, blah, blah, blah. And he basically said, like, uh, Scott Easterby, uh, the, you know, executive vice president of football ops, uh, is going to be the interim general manager. And for those of you that don't know, uh, uh, Easterby was basically the character coach and team preacher for the New England Patriots and went to Houston uh, last season and, you know, with finagling with Bill O'Brien, did a bunch of power grabs, fired a couple of general managers, and uh, ipso facto, they rose to the top of the organization. Uh, he's going to be the interim uh, general manager, but Cal McNair said they're going to find a general manager first, and then they're going to worry about the head coach. So I think maybe Cal McNair might be out of the, you know, New England Patriots South edition of bringing in former Belichick disciples. I still think that, like, in the clubhouse, it might be Josh McDaniels ahead on points, just, you know, just because he might be the hot ticket head coach item. I mean, there's no way he's going to the New York Jets. That's for goddamn sure. Uh, but I think it might be between him and Eric the enemy and the general manager race is going to be interesting because who, who they hire as general manager is going to ultimately pick the head coach that he's going to be working with. Well, whoever it is, they need to make sure it's somebody that's going to be able to get Deshaun Watson's career back on track because, you know, we all thought, and obviously me and you have different opinions on, on Deshaun Watson, but I thought Deshaun Watson was going to be on this meteoric rise as the next great quarterback in the NFL. But, I mean, as of lately, he hasn't done much. He's only won one, uh, one playoff game. 
Um, this year is 0-4. I don't have much confidence in him. So whoever it is, he's got to be able to resurrect Deshaun Watson's career. Yeah, and good luck selling that job because you have no your, – your first uh, draft pick is round three, mm. and it's probably going to be uh, a low one at that too. Yeah. Before we move on to uh, the games, I just saw a report that Governor Ron DeSantis gives clearance for full-capacity stadiums in the state of Florida. Yeah, Florida's going to Florida. Uh, but that is Dol- insane. I've never seen that before. Yeah, the Dolphins came out, though, and said that they, at least – I can't speak for Jacksonville or Tampa – but uh, the, the Dolphins are at least going to stick at the 13,000 max capacity. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think teams in Florida are going to have to still stick with the cap if they want to have a full friggin' NFL season. Like, it's not just the players that they're going to have to worry about. It's also the fans that are going to be trying to interact with the players. They ask for, for autographs and all this nonsense. And, you know, last thing you need is a drunk fan to start, you know, spitting on people or chucking beers that they were half drinking on to players. So, yeah, let's stick with the caps and try to salvage the entire season. Yes, sir. Let's move on to the Week 5 marquee matchups. And let's start with the Thursday Night Football game, which I think is going to be a really good game. It's going to be Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers traveling traveling north to play the Chicago Bears led by Nick Foles. They say a rematch of Super Bowl from a couple years ago. And let's start with the Buccaneers, man. I I personally am, am really impressed with what I'm seeing out of Tampa Bay and Tom Brady and that offense. Um, you know, week by week, that offense is rounding into shape. You're starting to see the the, uh, the receivers and the quarterback clicking a little bit more. You know, each week, the offense has looked better. Each week, Brady's pass rating has gone up. Most of the offensive statistical categories have gone up on a week, week-to-week basis. And, and I'm super excited about this game tomorrow night. Now, this past week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won a shootout against <laughs> the Chargers out of all teams, 38-31, which at one point, they were down 17 to the Chargers uh, before we uh, the, before the Buccaneers got a, a gift touchdown. But essentially, at the end of the day, Tom Brady threw for 369 yards, five touchdowns. And the one thing that really impressed me, man, was so far as of this year, you know, Tom Brady has the most deep yards um, entering Monday Night Football, which I didn't get the stats from Monday Night Football after that happened. But essentially, he was at 458 yards, which is quite a bit for an aging quarterback. So I'm excited about what I'm seeing out of Tampa Bay Buccaneers on offense. The defense did look for they did good look, look good for about three weeks, but this last week against the Chargers, they had quite a bit of an issue an issue handling all the blown coverages and giving up 31 points. So. Um, I, I like their defense for the first three weeks. Don't like it the last week. Um, the offense is coming around. I think that the, they're going to actually blow out the Chicago Bears tomorrow night. We're talking maybe like a like a forty-two to like twenty-five performance because this 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 blowout performance is going to happen soon. Last week, not before the Chargers game, they actually had quite a bit of drops. Uh, in the second half for the Buccaneers, that was going to propel them to a 40-point game as well. But I do think you're going to see some offensive firepower Thursday Night Football uh, against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, no, I mean, he he uh, he looked decent. I mean, that offensive line, though, Brady took a few – he took a couple of decent shots uh, behind that uh, that offensive line. It was a good thing he had his uh, – and his avocado ice cream to, to shake off the blows, but no, I mean he was he was chucking the ball all over the place in a, in a typical um, a typical Bruce Arians offense. He he really has uh, eyes for for Scotty Miller, uh, but I mean going into this game, I think Leonard Fournette is questionable. I, I think he might be a game time decision. Lashawn McCoy I think is out. Uh, Chris Godwin has been ruled out uh, as of today. 
Uh, Scotty Miller's questionable. Uh, so the, the, the offensive firepower is going to be a little bit limited, but on a short week against the Chicago Bears team that going into last week, they're like, oh, we got St. Nick. We're going we're gonna, to you know, storm our way to winning the NFC North. And, I mean, they came out flat. Like, they didn't look that great. The defense was blah at best. I mean, I think the, 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 the defensive line of the Chicago Bears, they're going to be able to push their way around uh, with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just based on, I mean, they have, you know, Adrian Amos and they have Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan and, and, uh, and, 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 all, the, and all that. I think they're going to be able to get after Brady at times. I'm with you, though. I think the Buccaneers are going to win. They're three-and-a-half-point favorites. I think they're going to win. I don't think it's going to be a shootout. Vegas has this as a 44 total. I think they're going to be able to grind this game out. You know, I don't think it's going to hit the over uh, I've heard in this game. A little bit of a pro tip for anybody that has Gronkowski uh, on their bench. Start him this week. OJ Howard is out for the rest of the year. It comes down to Gronkowski and Cameron Brake. And I have a feeling that Gronkowski is going to really come out, supplant himself as the as the lead tight end after OJ Howard got hurt. So if you have Gronkowski, start him. Okay. All right. Hey, I mean, there are bye weeks, so you might be thin on the tight end position. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, it, here's what I'll say. I want to see how this week goes before I start putting Gronkowski in fantasy lineups. Only because he's done absolutely nothing this far. And Bruce Arians loves himself some Cameron Bray. Yeah, listen, I'll agree with that as well. And we'll see how things pan out uh, tomorrow night. Now, the one thing that's interesting is Chris Godwin. Uh, apparently, his hamstring injury is much worse than, than anticipated. Uh, there's rumblings that might be a uh, fairly severe great uh, tear in his hamstring. So, we don't know how long he's going to be out as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been dealing with a bunch of injuries. The hamstring, the concussion. Like concussion. Yeah. I mean, good Lord, put this guy in bubble wrap in a dark room and make sure he gets right. Yep, yep. Okay, uh, next up, if this game happens, uh, the Buffalo Bills big versus... If. Yeah, big, big if. Big Buffalo Bills versus Tennessee Titans. So, here's the thing with the Buffalo Bills. I think, I think I have to turn in my Josh Allen apology form. Did you see that going around today? <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw it going around. And you know what, brother? You ain't the only one that has been handing in the forms with the head down. I would say head down. A lot of people were, like, really putting their head down, handing the forms in. Yours is just kind of like a casual well, toss. I, I am impressed with what Josh Allen's doing so far. He is in the MVP conversation with Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers. The guy is absolutely phenomenal right now. He had a great win against the, uh, the Raiders, 30-23 uh, to 23 this past week. I mean, at one point I thought he went out because he had uh, an issue with his shoulder, but he came back, showed some toughness, and actually, you know, got his way to a, a pretty gutsy win. Uh, the Bills are 4-0 for the first time in, what, 12 years or whatever it is. And now the way they're winning, it's not how they won in 2018 and 2019 where defense had to play perfect, and Josh Allen made a few plays here or there um, to win them that game. This is a different way of playing for the Buffalo Bills. Now they're relying heavily on the offense because of Stephon Diggs, who's leading the NFL. In, in receiving yards right now and Josh Allen carrying them. The defense has been suspect so far. There's been a couple of games here and there. They actually gave up a couple of big um, drives to the Raiders in the first half and didn't look so hot until they bonded up in the second half. So it's a different way of the Buffalo Bills um, winning this year and that's the next progression I want to see out of Josh Allen. I'm going to hold off on signing my Josh Allen apology from just 
for the time being, I want to see him win at least one playoff game. He needs to get that one playoff game, and then I am all in. I'll buy in. I'll sign that form. I just need to see one playoff win. Um, I think I'm going to take them this week against the Tennessee Titans, who haven't played in, what, two weeks now, essentially. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on with the Tennessee Titans and the COVID and not being able to practice. I think that's going to play on the team's psyche. I think that's going to give an advantage to the Buffalo Bills of not being rusty. Um, so I'm taking the Buffalo Bills probably by, I would say, a good 10 points here. Let's go in the realm of like 34-24. Okay. All right. No, I mean, dude, Josh Allen, he's been balling out. I mean, I've, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Josh Allen. I mean, even before this uh, this season here. I mean, and he's not – yes, he, he's still running all over the place and scoring on the ground and being the goal line guy. I mean, let's let's call it for what it is, Jay. I mean, he's basically like the, the white Cam Newton of the AFC East. You know what I'm saying? That's like, true. That's true. That's a good comparison. Going, he's going to get those goal line work. He can roll out. He's a big dude. He can hurdle people. He can truck people. I mean, he had a couple of decent runs against the Raiders and, and, and then the week prior against the Rams. I mean, he was he was kicking ass and taking names. And, and – and not to cut you off here, but uh, but I think that's important to point out. I think people need to stop comparing Josh Allen to Big Ben and start comparing him more to Cam Newton because at the end of the day, Big Ben is nowhere near as mobile as Josh Allen is. Josh Allen has some speed. Um, he made a funny comment the other day on TV where he, like, you know, he was talking about how he'll break a big run in practice and like running backs and wide receivers be like, oh, that's a that's a fast ass white boy, you know? Like, yep, people exactly. need to understand this is not Big Ben. He Big Ben is good in the pocket, maybe five yards down the road, down the down the play of. Uh, play a play a line of scrimmage but i think josh allen is way faster and he's in a cam newton run he can he can break off a 30 40 yard run oh for sure i mean we saw i mean his rookie year he had like 120 yards on the ground and two touchdowns against the minnesota vikings this dude is built like a brick shit house brian dable the offensive coordinator who you know you can keep receipts it's october 7th at 9 p.m I think he could be a dark horse candidate to be a head coach for uh, the Houston Texans as well. I mean, he's dialing up all the right plays. He knows how to push the right buttons with Josh Allen. He's using Josh Allen the way that Josh is, you know, is going to function as a quarterback in this league. And you know what? Like his accuracy right now, I think is in the the high 68% range, low 70s. Like he is not missing that many throws and it's not really just you know stefan Diggs. i mean john john brown he's been dinged up but he's been getting his dawson knox is a, you know a little baby gronk of the afc east i mean they're getting after it uh like you said though the defense has me worried a little bit uh they are eighth versus the run which is fine okay great they are 27 versus the pass which is you know quite quite shocking when you look at that secondary that's anchored Davis White, but going into last week against the Raiders, they were without, you know, uh, Tremaine Edmonds and another backer that was the key to this. And, you know, Josh Norman was up until against the Raiders game. And I mean, Josh, Josh Norman, his first game back uh, at a crucial point in the game in the fourth quarter, he punches out a ball almost like peanut Tillman and causes a turnover that gives the, the Bills great field position to milk the clock. Um, so I think this defensive team's in a, a spot to to be re, uh, to get a rebound against the Tennessee Titans, who may have Corey Davis back. Uh, not Corey Davis. Um, 
who's the guy? AJ Brown, the guy that's been driving you yep. nuts in fantasy yep. football because he of hasn't how started up he is. one game yet for me. Not even one yep. game yet. You know what's funny? Uh, most of my most of my bench is the Tennessee Titans because I have John Smith, Derrick Henry, and AJ Brown, who all for one reason or another over the last couple of weeks can't play because of COVID or injuries or whatever other bullshit there is. Yep. Yep, but and now I, think, I need Derrick Henry because Nick Chubb went out. God damn it. Yep. God damn it. <laughs> Hashtag no, take I mean, my knee. Take my knee, Nick Chubb. But I think if if this game is to play, we're going to really find out real quick about this defensive unit because we know they're going to want to feed Derrick Henry. He is going to grind his defense down for 60 minutes. And John U. Smith is a playmaker at the tight end position. If A.J. Brown can stay healthy – he, he can get after it, but they're going to be without Corey Davis because he's on the COVID reserve list right now. Um, Vegas doesn't have this on the board right now because of all the uncertainty. If I had to guess, Jay, what would you say? Like Buffalo is a like no more than a touchdown. I would say, what, Listen, like a five and a half point favorite? I, I, I think it would be a touchdown favorite because I truly Seven? believe okay. – I truly believe the Tennessee Titans are frauds because at the end of the day, they've beaten the Broncos, the Jaguars, and the Minnesota Vikings. That they is barely not... beat the Jaguars, too. And they barely beat the Minnesota Vikings by one point. I mean, even the Broncos, they won by only two points. So far, I am not overly impressed with the Tennessee Titans, and I do believe the Buffalo Bills are going to expose them. I do mm-hmm. believe the Tennessee Titans are going to have an issue stopping the Bills, and this, this could get ugly. I set 10 points. Would not be surprised if it was a 14-point win. Okay. All right. Well, we're both in the camp of Buffalo is going to roll in this game for sure. Damn right. All right, let's move on to Monday Night Football game. Seattle Seahawks versus the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings finally got a win against the Houston Texans. They needed one in the worst ways possible. And they realized what they need to do to win is what they did. Essentially, they gave the ball to Dalvin Cook. Essentially, play action off of that. Dalvin Cook ended up with, well, 130 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Essentially, the old-school Gary Kubiak offense that got them all that success is what they ran the other day. So I'm glad they found their way. I'm glad they found their win. But unfortunately, you're playing against a 4-0 Seattle Seahawks team, and they are hot right now. Um, Russell Wilson, I mean, God, the guy is balling out of his mind. He's my MVP so far. He just tied the uh, Peyton Manning record of most touchdowns through four weeks, which is 16 touchdowns, which is quite a bit. Um, But what I liked out of the Seattle Seahawks this week was they didn't have to rely on Russell Wilson to win them in a shootout. They didn't have to go out there and throw five, six touchdowns. The defense did come through, albeit against the Minnesota, I'm sorry, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, let's preface it with that. But but it didn't have to come down to Russell Wilson shooting out and throwing for five touchdowns. So we have to preface it, the fact that defense played against the Miami Dolphins. So I did like what I saw out of those guys. Uh, I like what David Moore did, who had three catches for 95 yards, including the game-winning touchdown. That's another, uh, you know, weapon that, um, they have to account for on Seattle's uh, side of things with Metcalf and, and what's his face, Tyler Lockett. Um, give me the Seattle Seahawks, man. I think this is going to be also a little bit of a blowout. I think a 10-point win as well. I don't see the Minnesota Vikings being able to stay in this game unless Dalvin Cook can run the ball effectively, which if you do, then you keep Russell Wilson on the sidelines. Um, so give me the Seattle Seahawks, probably I would say like a 24 to a 14 um, sorry, Aaron, the Vikings fan. I know we all picked the Vikings to win the NFC North. I know I did. I Puma, Puma, I think you did as well. Oh yeah. They are not who we thought they are, like Daryl Green said. So they sorry. are who we thought they were. Sorry, Aaron, the Vikings fan. You know what? I'm gonna say this. Uh, Seattle. 
the whole notion of, man, to letting Russell Wilson cook. I'm going to break some news for you. Through four weeks, up until the Dolphins game, defense has been optional with this unit that the Seattle uh, Ranked 32 out. entering week four. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear about how, oh, man, Brian Schottenheimer and – and Pete Carroll letting Russ cook. I mean, if, if Jay, if me, you, Aaron the Viking fan, and Freddie, uh, Freddie Hercules can start on that defense, yeah, you're going to have to let Russell cook because you're going to be in shootouts every goddamn week. So, uh, and I think they're going to be in a shootout this week again, too. You're, you're, Jamal Adams is going to miss with, uh, I think he has a groin injury. It's the second game he's going to be out. Um, uh, they're going to have to let Russ roll because... It's not like the, the offensive side of the football, the Vikings are, are slouches. I mean, they still have Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson really came along after that breakout game uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Irv Smith needs to get going. Kyle Rudolph needs to get going. I think it's going to be a shootout. Um, I do – I'll say this. This is going to be a high-scoring game. Vegas has this as a 57.5 total. Seattle's seven-point uh, seven favorites. I think Seattle wins, but I think Minnesota's going to cover the seven. I, I don't think they're going to get blown out. You think so? Uh, in, in a fanless, uh, you know, century link field. I think they're going to cover the seven. Okay. Listen, I, I think that's uh, that's interesting. Now, the only way that happens is if the running attack is, is something that can reemerge like it did last week with, you know, Davin Cook going for 130 yards and two touchdowns. Now, all year we haven't seen this sustained, though. We haven't seen the running game sustained for more than, like, four drives at a time. So I think asking them to do it for two games in a row might be something that might be a little bit of an uphill battle for them in the Minnesota Vikings. Right. I want to see where they. I want to see where Seattle ranks real quick on the rushing defense. It's it's got. I mean, they're. I'm amazed. They're top five. Wow. I, I honestly would not have had them pegged as that. Apparently, they they give up seventy five point eight yards per game. Uh, I feel like a lot of that is up to the schedule that they played. Um, but no, I think I think we're gonna find out about this rushing defense for Seattle this week against Dalvin Cook, that, and that's why I think they're gonna cover. Okay, nice, nice. Okay, final game of the uh, the slate is gonna be the New Orleans Saints versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, there's rumblings that this this game might actually be moved up to Indianapolis because of Hurricane Delta. Um, more to come on that, and keep an eye on our. Uh, Twitter and Instagram pages for information on that. But if the game does go as planned, uh, whether it's in Indianapolis or um, in New Orleans, I, I do believe the New Orleans Saints are going to win this game. Um, I was very, very impressed with what I saw out of the New Orleans Saints against the Detroit Lions um, uh, on this past Sunday. Um, obviously, Alvin Kamara, he, you know, he's the best running back in football in my eyes because obviously Saquon is hurt and Christian McCaffrey is hurt. I mean, he had 119 yards from scrimmage and his league leading, his league best seventh total touchdown of the year, which is quite a lot. Now, Drew Brees himself, I was very, very um, impressed with the fact that he averaged nearly 10 yards per attempt. Um, which in a essentially vintage, you know, day of offense for, for the New Orleans Saints, they had one point at five straight unanswered touchdowns. So I was impressed with what I saw. Now on the other end, the the Los Angeles Chargers, I know Joe Burr is playing well, but I think I think Justin Herbert is playing even better. I mean, the guy is absolutely slinging it, man. The guy, I, I was watching that Tampa Bay versus Chargers game, and I was thinking to myself, I've never seen a quarterback come in and have this much poise. Now, they're still 1-3, and three, 
But every single game he's played so far, Justin Herbert has looked like an absolute monster. He had uh, three touchdowns uh, and was going blow for blow with Tom Brady for a little bit uh, for most of that game, man. I was very impressed. I was scared as a Buccaneers and Tom Brady's fan that, you know, the Chargers didn't come back and win this game. Unfortunately, a couple of bad fumbles and a couple of, you know, one bad read by uh, Justin Herbert is what sealed the game for the Buccaneers. But I tell you what, the future is bright for Charger fans. They should be super excited. I am going out and calling an upset. The Chargers are going to win this game against the New Orleans Saints. Give me Chargers 24-17 Saints. Okay. You know what? Like, I think you might have talked me into that only because we also don't know if Michael Thomas is going to play this game. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have him play and they go into the bye week and they have him sit, they give him, they give him another basically two weeks of recovery from that massive high ankle sprain. And he comes back week seven against Carolina. I mean, they were able to make do with Traquan Smith. Uh, he had two touchdowns against Detroit, which I mean, it's Detroit, you know, you got to take that with a massive grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Emmanuel Sanders got involved. Alvin Kamara got his, but no, I mean, the Chargers, the Chargers were rolling. They were rolling still, even after Austin Eckler went out with a, a pretty severe hamstring, uh, you know, hamstring and knee hyperextension or something along those lines. He's going to be out for a little bit. I mean, he was, he was rolling. He was getting everybody involved. Keenan Allen was having a day against Tampa Bay and this, this defense still, we don't know if Marshawn Lattimore is going to play. He was the last minute scratch out of that game last week um and with all the things that are in flux are, are they going to be playing in india are they going to be playing in the superdome uh i definitely at first i was going to have new orleans win uh win but the Chargers cover the seven and a half uh, but I think that I think the Chargers going to win, so well, uh, I'll take the I'll take the well, points for sure. Brandon, you know what's the most impressive thing about Justin Herbert to me is two things. Number one, he stared down that Todd Bowles blitz attack time after time and slung it downfield for major touchdowns. He got his ass handed to him. He on did. A few of those throws. He did. And he still took those hits. He still threw the ball downfield. And that Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense is good. Those linebackers are good. Those cornerbacks are coming to age. And obviously Sue and that front uh, that front four is also is good as, as well. But I think the other thing that people need to keep an eye out on is this kid is massive. And he doesn't look massive because he's very lean. But he's 6'6", 236 pounds. And he can fucking move. He's quicker than Josh Allen. He's quicker than Cam Newton. And the thing that people don't understand is Big Ben is 6'5", 241. Joe mm -hmm. Burrow is 6'4". So when you start looking at the guy who's 6'6", 236, he is lean, he's tall, he's muscular. He ran over that uh, Kansas City Chief defender. Well, he didn't run over, but essentially he took a hit from he a... He knocked him out of the game. The he guy knocked was out, knocked out. He knocked out a Kansas City Chief defensive lineman. The guy is big. The guy is nimble. The guy has a massive arm. Chargers fans, be happy. Be happy with what you got. I am super excited to see what this kid does in the future. I'm a fan. I think he's playing, if not just as good as Joe Burrow, maybe better. And I think by the end of the year, because of how well that team is around, um, uh, Justin Herbert will have a better record than Joe Burrow himself. But keep your eye out for Justin Herbert and essentially winning offensive rookie of the year. What's the, what's the Chargers record right now? One and three, unfortunately. But, but they've played the some... They've played the Kansas City Chiefs. They played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm talking elite talent that they've lost to so far. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, the the, the they they should have. Well, they did beat the Bengals, but like 
Yeah, I think there's better days ahead. Uh, I think with you know basically the demise of the Denver Broncos, I think the Chargers are a legit wild card team right now at the at the quarter mm-hmm. at the first mm-hmm. quarter poll of the season. If if he's able to because, keep balling be, because at this pace, not to cut you off, and I'm sorry, but like essentially their schedule lines up, and I have it in front of me. I mean, they've got the Saints, which I think they'll win. Yep. Then they got the Jets. That's a win. That's if they lose. Oh my god! They've got the <laughs> Dolphins. That's a that's an easy win in my eyes. They've got the Jaguars. I mean, at this point, we're looking at three. We're looking at four and three team, right? You got the Raiders. You got the Broncos. I mean, you've got now. It gets a little tough with the Bills and the Patriots. Uh, but then you got the Falcons. I mean, these are some winnable games coming up for for the Chargers. And don't be surprised again a little bit of run here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Now put it down. Keep receipts. I, I think these guys are a wild card team in the making right now. I, I think I have a man crush on Justin Herbert. I really do. <laughs> Which is funny because going into the draft, I, mean, I wasn't high on him. I wasn't high on him. I wasn't. No, like, no, he should have well, won the year before. Because I, I always have issues when I see somebody like a, a an Oregon type quarterback or an Oklahoma type quarterback coming to the league high. Because at the end of the day, you know, defense is optional at Oregon and in the Big Twelve. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like yep. in the Pac-12, it's all offense. In the Big Twelve with Oklahoma, it's all offense. Like, you know, I like my quarterbacks like an LSU with Joe Burrow because of his defense. But I, I am generally shocked at how well this guy can stand the pocket, take those brutal hits, and fire downfield. Mm-hmm. For sure. Go back. Go, I don't know if you watched those highlights against him, him against the Buccaneers, but he, he, had a, he had a hell of a day, man. A really hell, oh, man. Great day. I, I, was sitting, I was sitting on the couch on muscle relaxers <laughs> watching watching the game. And, I mean, he, he took a beating, and he kept getting up, and – I think it was, I don't know if it was a touchdown pass. It was definitely a throw that got them into the red zone. And, I mean, he got, like, up, down. He got lit up. And, I mean, he hit the guy on a dime. Like, mm-hmm. he dropped it in mm-hmm. the bucket. So, yep. and, and that's, and, you know, usually you blitz a quarterback, right? And essentially, essentially a rookie quarterback. And you figure out, you know, he, he can't take the heat. And then you keep blitzing him. Unfortunately, this is the other way around. They blitzed him. He could prove that he can take the heat. And the second quarter, they have to back off him. They didn't blitz him as much. Mm-hmm. Like a veteran Max. quarterback, man. He didn't see ghosts. He did not see ghosts like our boy Sam Darnold, who probably uh, is done in the NFL. God bless him. <laughs> you know what? I don't, I'm not about to re- – he has regressed a shit ton. I don't know if I'm ready to write the obituary yet because we all know Adam Gase. He's out. He's like he's out at the end of the year. If he makes it to the end of the year, I'd be surprised. But if depending on who they bring in for a head coach, that would be the kind of I'm starting to put the finishing touches on the obituary. Like if they get an offensive minded coach, they actually get some tools around this guy. I mean, they put him in the game. He had a shoulder injury. They put him back in the game, and he's not starting this week against, uh, I think they're playing, who are they playing? They're, they're playing a, a lower-tier team with Joe Flacco. Uh, they botched the Makai Becton thing. Like, they should have had him inactive with the shoulder injury as well, and he was a backup. And when the lead offensive lineman to take his spot goes out, they put Makai Becton back in there. And it's like, okay, like, there are the cornerstones of your franchise, and you are completely putting them at risk. In a, in a lost season already through week three against the lowly Denver Broncos. Like, th- this tells you everything you know. You need to know about the coaching staff. Well, and God bless any Jets fan right now 
Well, they're uh, playing the Cardinals this week, which, you know... Can't get their ass handed to them. Well, we don't know. The Cardinals start out 2-0, and and now they're all suddenly losing two games in a row. Which, but I still think that the Jets are going to win this game. But second point being, dude, I know this is why the NFL is great. A random-ass Thursday night game between the Broncos and the Jets was, like, gripping TV. Like, I don't know if you watched that game, but it was awesome. Like, I was sitting there watching this, and I'm like, I am so entertained right now by two crap teams playing football. And, like, everybody on Twitter was losing their mind, and everybody's tweeting about it. It was, in the, it was a great, great, you know, uh, game. And I'm thinking to myself, well, listen, this is probably going to draw a bigger number than the NBA Finals, you know? <laughs> well, nowadays, you don't even have to try that hard. Um, but, yeah, no, I actually stood, I, I stood firm with uh with not watching the the game well it also helped that we had a guest over at the house and i may or may not have been negotiating a, a, a trade uh to salvage my season and uh and yeah that, no i missed out but i did enjoy watching the twitter feed go off about the game are you uh and four right now fantasy no no i actually uh i, I held on i i squeaked out a win against uh uh, Christina, uh, so I'm now one in three. I'm mounting the comeback. I am the embodiment of the gif of the Undertaker popping out of the the casket, and uh, I'm gonna go. Think I'm gonna go on a hell of a run right now. I got a, I got a good schedule lined up for the players. Uh, should be should be cake. Should be getting some uh, some decent points back from these guys, and uh, I for, like my chances. For the first time in years, I've been. I'm starting out three and one. And, Look at that! And I have to thank the fact that I'm apparently drafting against a couple of kids because my team is stacked top to bottom. Sorry if they're listening right now. <laughs> hey, uh, give us a quick rundown before I plug it up. What's your roster? You ready? So first of all, we can start. We can start two quarterbacks. Okay. Oh God bless you. Okay. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are my quarterbacks. Okay. Plus <laughs> <laughs> all this week. Here are my running backs. You ready? Yep. Nick Chubb. <laughs> R.I.P. Derrick Henry, well. Joe Mixon. Oh, 42 points. He did good for you last week. Mark Ingram. <laughs> All right. Okay. When it comes to my um, wide receivers, we're talking uh, Stephon Diggs, mm. C.D. Lamb. Um, mm. I just dropped uh, Julian Allen, picked up Deontay Johnson from the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. He's going to be nice. of, uh, And then Kenny Gallaudet and A.J. Brown, who haven't played for me so far. Um, tight ends, uh, Zach Ertz and John Smith. So I- I'm looking good right now, man. I- I'm excited about my team, man. How the fuck did you get Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and then you got yourself Joe Mixon and, and all? I don't know. Like, I don't know like, what happened. Joe Mixon like, sat there. TV? Joe Mixon sat there until like the eighth round, I believe, or seventh round or something. What? I know. Yeah, I know. Oh my god. I, I one point I was like, I gotta take him. Like I- I'm already running back heavy, but. Luckily, you know, I can use running backs right now. You know, think about my starting lineup for running backs right now. Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, and marking them in the flex. Yep. That's, that's <laughs> something. That is something, Jay. It would have been, it would have been Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, and uh, Nick Chubb if he wasn't hurt. Think about that. Yeah, good luck. Uh, just give uh, just give JG with the money right now. Well, it's a belt. It's apparently it's a uh, it's a belt that's like the fantasy football. So oh, gonna, even better. So they're gonna have to ship the belt to Connecticut with a bunch of like Ohio buddies. So, yes. but, but I digress. But that is essentially the podcast for this week, sir. Do you have anything else you want to get to before we plug it up? Uh, real quick, just a tease. Uh, barring any technical issues, we're gonna attempt to have another guest on the pod next week. Uh, kid I went to school with. He's a Daniel Webster College alum. Uh, his name is Eric Burgess. And uh, we're going to get into life of the NFL through week five at that point, uh, how he went toe-to-toe with, uh, with an asshat known as Aaron, uh, 
Uh, no, Adam Jones for 98.5, the Sports Hub. Uh, his thoughts on the Patriots. He's a Patriot fan uh, like yourself, Jay. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. Mm. And uh, it's going to be a good time with uh, Burge on the podcast. You guys are going to enjoy it. What was your thoughts on that Chiefs-Patriots game the other night? I'll say this. That, that defense gave Mahomes fits through three full quarters of football. And they should have went into halftime at least tied with the Kansas City Chiefs. But Brian Hoyer crapped himself. Uh, and then they, they brought Stidham in basically at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, you know, one pick was on Edelman. I mean, he hit Edelman square in the hands and Edelman just looked it off too early and gave up a pick six. I think he got bailed out on a penalty uh, in the end zone, and then he gave up a, a pick in the end zone as well, too. Um, I I didn't mind what I saw from Stidham. Uh, if knowing going into the game that's what we were going to get out of Brian Hoyer, I would have rather just roll out with Stidham the entire time. I think they just put Hoyer in to avoid any rookie mistakes on the road in Arrowhead with zero reps. Uh, but they might as well have just rolled out with Stidham. I hope they roll out well, with Stidham this week. Well, listen, I don't, don't want to see Brian Hoyer they on have the field. To. They have to. Because Brian Hoyer was brutal. My For a veteran, he's done. My immediate thoughts were, thank the fucking Lord we somehow landed Cam Newton. Because if we went to the season with Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham, oh my God, it would be so bad for the Patriots final. We might be 1-3, 0-4. But here's the thing. My, my thing is, Brian Hoyer, we brought you in for one reason and one reason only. To not make mistakes, to play good sound football, and essentially, you know, be good in situational football. He did none of that. He was bad all the way around. That, taken aside before the end of the half, like, made me lose my fucking mind. But the other issue is, if Jared Stidham can't beat out Brian Hoare in practice, how bad is Jared Stidham? My, that's my biggest concern right now is if he cannot beat Brian Hoyer and Brian Hoyer put out the performance he did, how bad is Jared Stidham? And we'll see this week when he's playing against the Denver Broncos because it's a long shot for Cam Newton to come in and play. But as of right now, thank the, thank the Lord, thank the gods that somehow Cam Newton ended up with the Patriots. So it was going to be ugly for us Patriots fans, man. Mm-hmm. Now, real quick before I plug it up, like Stidham, I want to see what happens against Denver. I think he's going to be able to... I don't know if they're actually going to be able to go in the practice facilities. I know today and, and tomorrow on Thursday, they're going to be conducting meetings through Zoom. But assuming all the tests come back negative, they're able to open up the facilities again. Uh, I want to see what he's able to do when he gets, you know, the reps to be the, the, the QB1. Because, I mean, I'm not really – I'm glad Cam's asymptomatic. I don't think he's going to play this week, especially going into a bye week next week. I mean, he ran the same offense at Auburn that they ran with Cam Newton back in the day. And back in the day was like a decade and a half ago. Uh, so I think he'd be able to be in a bounce back spot against the, the Denver Broncos. Get a tune-up game, build some confidence, have him be quarterback too moving forward. But I, I don't want to see Brian Hoyer uh, activated uh, on the roster for the rest of the season because he was absolutely brutal. He forgot what red zone, what, what to do and what not to do in the red zone. And I think at times even Tony Romo was about to rip his hair out in the, in the booth uh, looking at, you know, Brian Hoyer crapping himself. Um, and the other thing that, you know, listen, I'm not big into moral victories, and a lot of people come on the air the next day, or Patriots fans will, will say stuff like, oh, yeah, but did you see how we kept Patrick Mahomes to six points uh, until the end of the half? Um, yeah, I did, but that did nothing, because in the second half, he figured you out. He essentially put points up. And this is the trend with Patrick Mahomes and Bill Belichick. Belichick stifles him for the first half, but the second half, the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, they make adjustments, they come out swinging. 
And that's been the the last three games that Patrick Mahomes has played against the, the New England Patriots. So I'm not taking any more victory or any sort of like you know run around the the fucking lap that you know we essentially kept kept him in check for half a half a game. And, and on top of that, we weren't even able to capitalize on those plays. Oh well, did you see Derek McCourty almost made that play? Yeah, but he didn't. Did you see J.C. Jackson almost made that play? He didn't do it. So like for me, I, I really need these Patriots fans to stop taking these moral victories because we are the Northern Patriots. We don't take moral victories. We win, right? At the end of the day, we don't make excuses like Belichick said in the fucking press conference on on Tuesday. Uh-huh. No, I think if if Cam Newton's playing, they're they're winning that game based on everything that I saw. Oh, that's well, that's a different was, story. That's a different story then, it, you know. It's it's funny it, it's funny because there were times when they put the camera on on uh, Mahomes and he was visibly fr- frustrated on the sideline because he wasn't able to be able to, wasn't able to get on the field and you know the the defense I, I know I'm supposed to be plugging it up but fuck it uh, the defense did this I mean they dropped everybody in zone they had eyes on Mahomes at all times they made Mahomes be patient and they were able to get after him with a very limited pass rush uh, and we saw. We saw that the you know the 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 Chargers uh, week two like they were able to do this. They were kind of giving uh, Mahomes fits at times uh, throughout that game. Uh, Indianapolis did that uh, last year when they just ran the football shit ton. Eight o'clock uh, is what Tennessee should have done in the AFC Championship game. Like that may be the one chink in the armor of how to play Mahomes on the defensive side of the football is just. Play zone, keep eyes on at all times, make him be patient, which drives him nuts, and, and just go from there. And I mean, if it wasn't for and I know like you're not like you said, you're not in the big what ifs and whatnot, but that potentially could have been Mahomes' worst game of his career if he had three interceptions on the board against a team that had, you know, basically you know, uh, a, a scrub uh, quarterback starting and uh, a backup that really nobody has any faith in in Stidham at this point. Uh, I mean, they took him to the limit. And they if they, if Cam Newton's playing that game, they win that game. But, 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 but that's my bigger issue is they took him to a limit, but we didn't get past the limit, right? And that's what the NFL is. The NFL is a game of inches. And I remember this because this is how we would win. The Patriots in their heyday would win like this. They would kind of sit back. Let you make mistakes. You wouldn't capitalize on those mistakes, just like the Patriots didn't capitalize on that interception or this and that. And then they would come back and win. And that's a sign of a great team because all these teams are matched very well. Unless you're like the the New York Jets or the New York Giants or some crap team, a lot of these teams will be in the games. But the truly elite teams are the ones that can, you know, essentially have the raise it in margin where they're better and eke out those wins. You know what I'm saying? If you're trying to see what I'm trying oh, yeah. to get at. Oh yeah, for sure. But like you know, it's with that argument. Yeah, like the defense should have capitalized. But on the offensive side of the football, Brian Hoyer shouldn't have left at least six points on the board like you Mm -hmm. need to Mm -hmm. have red zone discipline so with all that stuff stacked up against them yeah i'm not even a patriots fan and i'm actually like kind of batting the uh you know circling the wagons of yeah like this they can get things right and they can get cam newton back and this defense can still be playing even with all those opt-outs that they had they could they, they could they could be making some noise wild card team at best but I had twenty. I had everything a, going on for sure. I had a good hunch, and I think I picked the Patriots to win this last week. If Cam Newton was starting, we would have won that game. We won that game, and we would be. I would be sitting here today, screaming my ass off that we are contenders. We're gonna be somebody you're gonna have to fuck with in the AFC. But as of right now, I'm not ready to make that contender. We're more pretending than contenders just yet. So I have to watch, get more information um, on how we're gonna progress, but. I will say this. I mean, I'm not big into the ifs, but if Cameron was playing that game, it'd be so different. It would be so different. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. And we'll pick up this part of the conversation next week with Burge. But we got to wrap because I got to go upstairs. I got to eat some freaking food because I didn't get a chance to eat. And Jay's got to get back with his folks and ooh and ah over the new addition of the family. So you can find this episode and previous ones of the Pro Football Radio Podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, YouTube. Uh, not sure if we'll be able to do that this week because, you know, Jay, he's a, he's a YouTube wizard and he's uh, he's out and about, but we'll definitely have the audio up for you. Uh, social media, you can find us on Facebook and uh, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter, at PFR Podcast. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma, and Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Be sure to like subscribe download share with your friends share with your family hit us up on social media talk to us during games to pick our brains we want to hear about you guys we want to talk uh, any air you know fan mail any uh mailbag questions definitely want to touch base with you guys and that's all i got jay you still there i'm here can you hear me yeah i can hear you awesome <laughs> that's all we got for this week i was on mute uh we'll talk to you guys next week I can't deal!